Great to be with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Now, this evening, we're going to be talking about how to clear your credit record before applying for a home loan. So many people don't know what a credit record is or what a credit score is, to the point where by the time they actually, you know, apply for their home loan, sometimes it will get declined. And part of the reason why it might get declined has to do with their home loan. So today, if you have any questions about credit scores, credit records, what you should or shouldn't be doing, how you can better it, please do send them through and Michelle is going to unpack them. I think, Michelle, before we even get to you know what credit score is or credit record is perhaps let's look at what tpn is because in as much as it's a credit bureau it's a very special type of credit bureau uh, perhaps if you can just share with our listeners at home who might not be aware of what tpn credit bureau actually is um could you just help us in that regard so TPN is a credit bureau, but we're a specialist bureau and we collect data on um, tenant behavior information. So our job is to speak to our landlords and estate agents who are our clients and collect every month their tenant information. So who their tenant is, where they rent, how much they rent for, um, and importantly, how they pay their rent. So we want to understand our tenants paying their rent on time and in full, um, if they're paying their rent late, partially or um, not at all. And from that, we build a credit profile of payment behavior towards um, rental. We then supplement that with traditional credit uh, payment information. So um, how you pay your credit cards, your car finance, your payday loans, your store cars, um, insurance, all that other credit that you have access to. Um, and we then build a credit score on the tenant based on all of that information. So essentially, can a person, you know, suppose I want to go into the TPN profile, can I as a normal individual almost go there and try to get what my credit score is according to TPN? I mean, I know if you were to use another, um, you know, credit bureau, let's say a TransUnion, or you use that uh, one monthly, one year annual free report, you're able to do so. Can a person do that also with the TPN um, uh, website? Absolutely. So TPN is a registered credit bureau. And in terms of the National Credit Act, all credit bureaus must um, provide consumers with the once annual free credit report of the information that that bureau has on the individual. So if you come to TPN, you're going to get information that TPN Credit Bureau has on you. For example, the type of um, data that we would collect is how you pay your rent, how you pay your school fees, um, we look at your SIPs data, we look at your um, deeds data, and we build a credit profile based on that information. If you would like to know what your traditional credit uh, information looks like, then you go to the My TransUnion website, and there you're going to see the information relating to your other credit um, commitments. That's perfect. And then let's then, you know, start with credit score. I mean, I know so many people, uh, when we had you on a few weeks ago, we were talking about how to almost best ensure that you don't get a bad credit score because of the financial difficulty that so many people are going to ultimately find themselves in right now. Maybe for those at home who, you know, were either not watching that episode because they thought, ah, you know, I'm not going to be affected. It's now a few weeks later, we're on day 50. And some people might be aware that, look, I might not be able to pay my creditors in time. Let's maybe unpack what a credit score, what a credit record actually is, and how the different bureaus especially end up having the score that they have for us. Right. So the first thing I think we need to do is we need to um, first um, 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 remind the viewers that there are many registered credit bureaus. Um, there, there is TransUnion, XDS, CPB, CompuScan, and Experian. Those are the full traditional credit bureaus 
that collect information as what we define as SACRA information, that's South African Credit Risk Reporting Association. Um, in terms of the National Credit Act, every single credit provider must by law submit their information to the regulator. And the regulator has an agreement with SACRA that SACRA is the data hub to which this information must be submitted. So in the same way TPN collects um, information about tenants every month from our clients, estate agents and landlords, every single credit provider by law must submit their information on who their clients are. So um, what the type of information that they would be collecting is, um, who the client is, what type of account um, does that client have with them, um, what is the value of the um, total uh, credit that has been lent, what is the monthly repayment amount um, that the consumer is paying, um, and importantly, how that is account is being paid on a monthly basis. This information comes into a centralized data hub, and from that centralized data hub, it then gets distributed to each of the full traditional credit bureaus, so TransUnion, Experian, XDS, CompuScan, and CPB. Um, so that information is regulated, and all information that the credit bureaus store is regulated in terms of the National Credit Act and their retention periods in terms of how long that information can be loaded on a person's credit profile. So we've just spoken about the data hub and that refers to payment profile information. And payment profile information can be retained for a maximum period of five years on a person's credit profile. So what you would see when you go and get your own, um, and, I, and I strongly encourage people to go to mytransunion.co.za or come to TPN and get each of those different credit reports have a look at them. And what you're going to see is you're going to see on um, TransUnion a two-year period of that payment profile. And you're going to see numbers like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way up to nine. What is that telling the, the credit provider about you? A zero indicates for us that you pay your account on time and in full every month. So for two years worth of payment profile lines, the credit bureau is going to record, hopefully, Every month, a zero, 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 zero. 24 zeros, meaning every month you paid that account on time and in full. If you uh, miss your uh, payment by one month, they're going to record that as a one. If you fail to make payment on your account for two months, they're going to record it as a two. And a three would be three months. And then we get all the way up to nine. So what the bureaus um, do is they process the data, put it into a string, and credit providers then can then see what is the commitment that you had on that particular loan? And let's call it a vehicle finance loan. You um, bought the car for 500,000 Rand. Your repayment per month is 5,000 Rand. Your total outstanding balance after a year's worth of payment is um, 460,000 Rand or whatever it is. And every month we see zero, 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 zero. The credit provider is enabled to understand what your commitment is on a monthly basis, 5,000 Rand, what your outstanding balance is and what your total exposure is and importantly how you've paid that account um, on a monthly basis and they do that for every single account so every single account that you have and it's not just your credit so it could be a payday loan it could be um, your credit card your store card your vehicle finance your home loan it could also be your insurance your dstv repayments your telco accounts um, your cell phone accounts your telecom accounts etc all of that data will then give us an overall exposure. So what is your total overall exposure to all of your credit providers? What is your total monthly commitment to all of your credit providers? And how that how each one of those accounts are being paid um, on a monthly basis? And we can start to get a feel 
do you manage to pay every single one of your accounts on time in full? Or are there certain accounts that you pay on time and certain accounts that, um, that you miss payments and catch them up, um, et cetera? So that's one of the type of information that the bureaus collect, one of the categories of information. We call that payment profile. Another category of information that the bureaus collect on is judgment information. Now, judgment information is when your credit provider has gone to court and got a judgment against you for non-payment of your accounts. That information, it's a court order, um, and so um, the bureaus collect that from a central source. So um, there's a company that um, collects all that data from all the different um, courts, collates that into a central database, and then all the bureaus access that central database of judgment information. And judgment information, um, in terms of the National Credit Act, can be retained on your credit profile for a period of five years. So when the judgment is obtained, the bureaus will then load it onto your credit profile, and they'll retain that for a period of five years. But the prescription on that is 30 years. So what's the difference between retention and prescription? Well, the bureaus will retain it and display it on your credit profile for five years, but your credit provider can collect on, it, on, on that uh, judgment for a period of 30 years. So it's quite a long period. Um, however, essentially, I mean, sorry to interrupt you there, Michelle. So essentially, you can have this judgment, say you, you had owed you know, 30,000, it escalated, escalated, let's say with built up interest, let's assume it's now gone to 50,000, they take it to court, they get a judgment against your name, and you're saying that it's able, you're able to pay back that amount for a 30-year period. You essentially yes. pay off that amount for a 30-year period. That is exactly correct. So um, uh, uh, your credit provider who's got the judgment might see in 10, 20, 30 years that you now have um, come into financial assets and they can come and attach your financial assets for the judgment that was taken up to 30 years uh, previously. So judgments are quite serious. They're really, really serious and they don't go away for 30 years. And so in the event where you've paid off that debt, so suppose you paid off, mm. uh, whether it's because you came into money or you start managing your finances slightly better, you get a raise at work, and you essentially paid off, how long does it take for the judgments to be then removed on your profile? This is an excellent question because it's all about rehabilitation. It's all about rehabilitation. So as soon as your judgment has been settled, the credit provider must inform the credit bureaus, and the credit bureaus then have seven days after that um, notification to remove that from your credit profile. Also, um, consumers are allowed, as we've spoken about, to go to the bureau and ask for their free annual credit report. Having looked at their credit report, they can identify information that is inaccurate, um, that they have settled. They can then log a dispute with the bureau. Um, the dispute process is quite simple. You get a copy of your free credit report from the bureau. You identify the information that you feel is um, inaccurate. You then log the dispute with the Bureau. The Bureau must mask the information that you are disputing. So the Bureau can't show information that is um, inaccurate or is unknown to be accurate because you're disputing it. The Bureau then has 20 business days to investigate the accuracy of that information. So they're gonna ask you for your supporting documentation, proof of payments, supporting the fact that that information um, is, is inaccurate on your credit profile. They then gotta to go to the credit provider and they're gonna ask the credit provider is this information accurate? Can we remove it? If so, yes, they remove it. If not, the credit provider must provide their supporting uh, documentation or credible evidence, supporting the fact that the listing must remain on your credit profile. 
the Bureau will then make a finding as to whether the information is um, reasonably accurate or not. And they'll either reinstate it if they find in favor of the credit provider, or they'll remove it if they find in favor of the consumer. And that has to be done within a 20 business day period. If, however, they reinstate the data and the consumer is not happy with the finding, the consumer can still go to the credit ombudsman or the credit regulator and dispute the finding of the credit bureau. So they can escalate uh, the dispute with, with the ombudsman. Michelle, I want us to stay with uh, you know, this issue of the judgment. To our viewers at home, if you have any questions about you know, credit score, credit records, or how to best navigate you know, bettering your credit score, do send in those questions. I'm speaking to Michelle Dickens, who's the Managing Director of Talent Profile Network Credit Bureau. And of course, talking about how clearing or how to clear your credit score um, before applying for a home loan. And we'll get to you know, what the implications of a bad credit score are after we take the break, but also how, you know, what constitutes a good credit score? Because I mean, some, sometimes you hear different people saying it's a 650, it's a 780. Like, what does that mean? Um, is there a magic number or like the magical minimum requirement in order for you to actually get that home loan? I actually want us to take a quick break, Michelle. And when we come back, I want us to I want to to find out when we look at the the the, the, the judgment. You know, you mentioned that you're a, it's able to be removed within seven days, but I want to know that if you then apply, let's say for a home loan, will the bank be able to see that you once had a judgment against your name? Michelle will be able to answer that question just after the short break. to episode 25 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Zamandunga Kumalo. I'm joined by Michelle Dickens, who's the Managing Director of TPN Credit Bureau. Tonight, we're asking the experts, and the issue that we're talking about is how to clear your credit record before applying for a home loan. And before we went to that break, or went for that break, rather, I, you know, I asked Michelle, in the event where the, you know, the judgment has now been removed from your profile, um, and you, you had said that it's going to be removed within that seven-day period, and let's say two years later, even a year later, you decide that you now want to apply for a home loan. Will the banks be able to see that you once had a judgment against your name? Now, I know that they do ask, they typically, you know, ask, are you currently under judgment? So the many forms that you fill in does typically come up. Sometimes people don't write down, you know, the correct details, but would the bank essentially be able to see based on your credit profile that actually this person two years ago or a year ago had a judgment against their name, even though you had now paid off your debt and that uh, judgment has been removed from your profile? 
so no, when the bureaus um, submit your credit profile, um, and typically what happens is a credit provider does a call into the bank, a fresh call into the bank, every time they want to do um, a new credit uh, lending. And at that new call, the information that gets shared with the bank is only the information on your credit profile that is um, allowed to be there. So information that is not past its retention period, regardless of whether you've paid it back or not. Um, if your judgment has been settled and it's been removed from your credit profile, the Bureau is not going to share that information with the next credit provider. The credit providers, though, also have access not only to credit bureau information, but they have access to their own transactional information. So how you've behaved with them within their environment, they will use that information as part of their internal credit scoring. So credit scoring is not a simple, is your number 650 or 680? Because each bureau actually has their own score. So TransUnion score is different to experience score. Um, and then internally, the banks will have their own scoring mechanism. So they will supplement the information that they get from the bureau with other alternative credit information or with their own internal um, uh, information. And with all of that information, they will derive their own credit score based on their needs, their individual needs as a, as a credit provider. So one bank's score will be different to another bank's score. And vehicle finance um, scoring might be different to home loan um, scoring. And we've got questions coming in from our viewers at home. Of course, you're more than welcome to send those questions about credit scores and Michelle will be more than happy to answer them. The first question comes in from one of our regular viewers, uh, Bruno Santos, who asks, will the COVID-19 um, pandemic put, uh, will the COVID-19 putting people in financial difficulties affect our credit score or will we have some sort of a lifeline for this period? And if you asked for bond relief during this period, Will this also affect our credit record? Two yeah, absolutely. Really absolutely. So this is this is such an important question. When you're getting into financial difficulty at the moment, the first thing is to get a copy of your credit profile and talk to your credit providers. Um, whether that is um, um, renegotiating payment holidays at the moment, I know that they're payment holidays um, in terms of this pandemic, um, renegotiating your rates or your term, um, those renegotiations are really important. It's important not to just stay silent and not pay. Go speak to your credit providers. Now, in terms of um, COVID-19, where uh, payments, um, holidays and deferments have been granted, the credit providers are making provision for that in terms of the data that they submit to the data hub in line with not um, updating negative information on people's credit profiles. So where you have a payment holiday or deferment um, and you stick to those arrangements, that is not going to negatively affect your, your, your um, uh, credit profile. Where, however, you've made arrangements and you fall behind on those arrangements, then yes, at that point, it could have impact um, on your credit profile. Also, um, and that's not just on your, um, um, on your payment profile information, but also right now, the National Credit Regulator has suspended business days in terms of um, this period. Um, the regulator has suspended business days in terms of both the lockdown and as we currently sit under alert level four, 
and potentially into alert level three, we don't know, but um, certainly under lockdown and alert level four, um, those business days has been suspended. Now this is important because in terms of the credit bureaus loading adverse listings on your credit profile. So we've spoken about payment profile, it happens every single month. It reflects mm -hmm. how you paid your account that month. We've spoken about judgments, which are court orders and take a period of time to end up on your credit profile. Adverse listings is another category of information that credit providers can use to list information on your credit profile. And in order to load an adverse listing on your credit profile, the consumer has to be three consecutive billing cycles in arrears. They must have been issued with a letter of demand. And the letter of demand must specifically state the intention of the credit provider to load an adverse listing on your credit profile. And 20 business days must have passed between the date the letter is sent and the date of the listing. Now, in terms of the suspension of business days then, no one will be blacklisted for debt that has fallen due whilst we are under um, the, um, the lockdown or alert level four period because the credit providers will not be able to issue those letter of demands and wait 20 business days until the, their ability to able, be able to um, load adverse listing. Please remember though, this is just one category of data. Yeah. The payment profile data is still gonna be listed every single month. Judgments, the courts are open, credit providers can go and get judgment. So what I'm speaking about now is limited only to adverse listings. And we've got more questions coming in, Michelle, quite a number of them. This one coming in from Golani Tiam, who asks, what does the report show if you don't pay the account totally for more than a year since it starts from zero to report how you pay your account? Yeah, then once you get to nine, it just keeps recording nines and you can see two, I've seen two years of nines. Um, but also there's other, uh, there's other um, statuses, other keys. Um, it can be a W for written off. Um, it in L for have seen two years worth of nines for someone seriously in debt. And in from Nuntlantla Ndabeen who asks, what is, the, what is a great credit score minus 634 currently and I want to apply for a home loan? <laughs> yeah, so that, that would be an Experian um, credit score um, and that's not a bad credit score um, at all to be um, going off to the bank with a home loan. I still would strongly suggest it's not just about the score, it's about the underlying data. So. Um, for that score, I would go to um, Experian's website um, and ask for a copy of your Experian credit profile and um, have a look because what you want to see is you want to see is there information in there that I can improve on, right? Are there credit agreements there that I'm not utilizing and maybe I can close them? Um, can I Have I got store cards? Because often, you know, people do. They skip a month and then they catch it up. They pay double two months later. Don't do that. Pay every month. Minimum amount that's due, pay that um, every month. So I, I do I do strongly say get your score, have a look at your score, but then also have a look at the underlying data. Michelle, I actually want to just pick up on, on, on what you just uh, noted in terms of paying double. So suppose we are not missing um, payments, you're paying religiously on time, but some months you pay double um, and other months you don't, or other months you put in a lump sum and other months you don't. Does that negatively affect your credit score? Absolutely. So what will happen is if you pay double this month um, to catch up a previous month, it, it depends what your outstanding amount is. If you're paying double and that gets you into credit, that's great. Because next month when you skip a month, you're in credit, that's fine. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to miss minimum payments. So if you have a minimum balance due, don't miss that payment thing. Oh, you know what? It's such a small amount. Next month I'll pay double. Don't do that. Pay the small amounts every single month. 
So then in the event where you meet, you meet the minimum uh, balance and every second month you still double pay because maybe every second month you come into extra bit of cash that doesn't negatively affect your record. No, that's like having an having your having your home loan and paying extra into your home loan. Oh, oh, wonderful way to save. Having a home loan with an access bond is a wonderful way um, to save uh, to save money. Michelle, Strongly encourage. And and I think it's one of the things that we did actually speak about uh, when we had uh, Nundu Misa Tapai from APSA, when we were exploring the different ways that you can get money from your home loan. And she did highlight that that's one of the ways that you can essentially do that. We're able to pay extra into your home loan. And if, of course, you've missed that particular episode, we had her on two weeks ago. And you can always go to the YouTube channel. Uh, the private property YouTube channel, and you'll be able to find that. You can also, of course, look for it right here on our Facebook page. We've got many questions coming in, Michelle. I want us to get through as many of them as possible. We'll probably have to ask you to come back. People seem to have quite a lot of questions when it comes to our credit score. Another one is coming in from Durel Chafta who asks, what if retailers or a loan that have been paid up still reflects on your credit profile? How do you approach the retailer or bank to update the, the loan status um, of to essentially reflect that it's been paid when applying for a home loan and you've just closed certain retail accounts will they pop up when banks check your profile yeah so the payment profile will sit on your credit profile for a period of two years even if you've settled that account so you'll see that um there's nothing recorded in the last say 12 months but 12 months ago, we call it a P rate, a P a key, and the P means that it's paid up. It was settled without any amount outstanding. So you would see the payment profile of 12 months, however it was paid, and hopefully they're all zeros, leading up to a P status. So say, for example, you got behind, you got six months behind on an account, and it went zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. You paid it up. It'll then show a P. And that means that you did get six months behind, but you settled the account. That account, although it was paid up a year ago, will still reflect on your account. The last 12 months of information will reflect, and then there'll be 12 months of no information reflecting on your, on your credit profile. And that's, that's the power of payment profile information and of skipping months. You really, really don't want to do it because it does have a two-year um, effect on your credit profile. Now, yeah. if it's paid up, the bureaus will show it as a P. If it's not showing as a P and it's not showing as um, paid up and closed, and um, then you want to approach the bureaus and you want to um, log a dispute with the bureaus. You do not need to log a dispute with all of the bureaus and um, the five that I mentioned. You just need to log a dispute with one of the bureaus. The bureaus communicate um, on information like this um, um, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, to make sure that all the bureaus are reflecting the same information where a dispute has been logged and they have made a finding. And another question coming in is, what advice can you provide when applying for a home loan that can improve your scoring or even your chance to get that loan that you want? Yeah, the first, the first thing is going and having a look at your uh, credit um, um, profile, um, identifying that credit which is um, not necessary and not useful. So you want to have good credit on your uh, credit profile. Um, you definitely don't want to have no credit profile on, on your credit profile. This is what we determine as a thin credit file. So when you go to the banks and you're looking for something like a home loan, they're going to want to see that you have some history um, of how you have paid um, other debt and um, that'll lead them to, to be able to score you. So a thin file is when they see no information um, and they've got no way of um, how to score you. Um, so definitely for a home loan, you want to have, you want to have credit 
Um, and it's always good even to have credit at the bank that you're going to apply for the home loan with because then the bank can use that information, your transactional information. It's not necessarily just credit information. How have you behaved from a transactional perspective um, that could improve your um, um, opportunity to get a, a home loan? Another question, this one coming in from KD Mulaba, who asks, what if I start making payments on a judgment on year five, but do not settle before the judgment due date? Can I see the same judgment extended after year five, although I am making some payment towards the date? No, no. Your, date? Judgment, your judgment sits there for five years. That's it. Um, you only list it once. You only have one bite at that apple. Um, it'll only retain and display on the bureaus for five years, but it is still enforceable for 30 years. So prescription is 30 years. So even though you've started paying it down after five years, um, maybe four and a half years, you start paying it down and it's going to be a two-year period to pay it down. The impact on your credit profile will only last for that last six months. Regardless of that, the credit provider can still come and attach your assets for 30 years. So you absolutely want to pay back your, your judgments. Also, if you've just joined joining us at home, I am speaking to Michelle Dickens, who's the Managing Director of TPN Credit Bureau. And tonight we are asking the experts, and we're talking about credit scores and how you can best repay yours in the event where it wasn't so great on your home loan journey. We've got questions in, uh, we've got questions coming in from different viewers at home. If you've got any, do send them through, Michelle. We've got one from Malebo Makahane who asks, when you are married in community of property and you decide to buy a house, but the one partner is not working, will the bank check for the credit score of both partners or just the one, which is the one who essentially will be applying and the bond will be going off their account? Yeah, the bank is going, the bank is going to look at um, affordability first. So can the party um, who's working, do they meet the affordability criteria? And once they've met the affordability criteria, is their credit um, record um, 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 positive enough that they would that they would give the the loan? So I think what she's essentially trying to establish. So in this context, let's assume yes, the the, the partner who will be paying can afford it, and let's assume yes, the partner that will be paying their credit score is good. However, their their husband or wife, essentially the other partner their credit score is not so good because let's say they're not working because I think in this, in this context, she says that they're currently not working. So let's say they have a bad credit score. When the bank does their affordability, will the other partner's bad credit score essentially affect whether they get granted that home loan or not? So I, I, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think so. Um, I think the bank is going to look at the single um, um, applicant and it's based on that single applicant's um, affordability regardless of how you are married. I think Malibu, one topic that we probably can actually explore right here on the Private Property Podcast is around buying property with a partner, particularly when you're married in community of property and you decide to buy it uh, you know, as an individual instead of putting it in as a PTY or in a trust. So we'll definitely take note of that and perhaps bring in a lawyer to help us understand the different scenarios and perhaps also speak to the bank around the different scenarios when you are married in community of property. Because the reality is there are some people, quite a number of them who are married in community of property right now. We've got another question, this one coming in from Kanyisile Kanyile, uh, that's such a beautiful name, uh, who asks, would you recommend that someone who's just cleared their credit record and paid off everything, i.e. car about three months ago, to invest in property right now or wait um, a couple of months to save enough money for the deposit? Oh, I love that question. So um, I think having a deposit is 
fantastic um, putting some some money down because it immediately brings down that repayment especially it depends what you're doing if you're investing for home ownership or if you're investing for um, a buy to let um, but it certainly does help when you have a deposit down um, from a cash flow perspective um, in terms of getting your rent to cover your mortgage as well as your property expenses um, etc uh, what was the question? Would I encourage people who've just had their uh, credit record clear and want to invest in property to wait? Okay, so on the waiting question right now, um, mm, you know, I predict that's a good question. I, I predict that um, there are going to be more distressed properties coming onto the market um, in the next three to six months, and if it was me. I'd like to hold back and just see what the property market uh, does in the next three to six months, um, because I think property prices are going to come down and I think they're going to be a few bargains um, coming onto the market. And why do I say that? Unfortunately, people have lost their income. Um, and that's the opportunity for people like yourself who've got a clean credit record, who are prepped and ready um, to take advantage at the moment. There are going to be, be people who are going to lose their investment properties. They're going to want to deleverage. They want to, they're going to want to maybe um, sell some of their portfolio and hold on to other of the portfolio. And they're going to be distressed owner-occupied properties as well. And those properties are going to come onto the market and it's definitely going to have an impact um, on property prices. Another one, this one coming in from Gateko Ahape, who asked, due to COVID-19, I tried to make an arrangement and asked my rental agency if it will affect my profile on TPN. They said, yes, uh, they will update that I did not pay in full. Is that how it should be? So TPN is a credit bureau. We collect the data. And the data is um, how was the um, rent paid in terms of the lease agreement or if and what we put out as a credit bureau is we put out you know, income declaration documents um, with a deposit utilization document and a deferred rent agreement document. And what we said to the market is people are going to be struggling in terms of they've legitimately lost their income. Mm -hmm. um, take And not only they've legitimately lost the income, but at the lockdown period, they're not going to be able to move out anyway. So if you aren't able to cancel your lease and ask your tenant to move, what kind of agreement can you enter into with your tenants in order to come up with a compromise? So we put out an income declaration document. If you have legitimately lost your income, you can then declare that to your landlord and your landlord can then say, okay, well, we can enter into deposit utilization agreement, which in the ordinary course of business, we would not suggest you do. But during this pandemic, it was one of the ways to get liquidity back into the market. It must be done where both the tenant and the landlord agrees. So you cannot have a tenant that says, use my deposit, and the landlord doesn't agree. And you can't have a landlord that says, I'm going to use the deposit without the tenant agreeing to that either. So deposit utilization was one of them, or um, uh, rent deferment. In other words, um, I can't afford the rent uh, this month, but I am going to sign an acknowledgement of debt that I'm going to debt and I'm going to pay it off over the next three or four months um, in installment amounts. But the landlord must agree. Now, some landlords have done that. Some landlords have been incredible and said, you know what, we're going to give you a remission of rent. So you've lost your income yeah. by 50%. We're actually going to cut your rent by 50%. We're not going to, we're not going to demand it from you. Some landlords have said, you know, we'll do the deposit utilization because that gets, gets liquidity into the market. And some landlords have said, well, we won't use the deposit, but we allow you to defer the rent. But that's based on the situation of the landlord because landlords themselves might have lost their income. And this rent is covering the bond and they're then at risk. 
So it very much depends on the situation of the landlord as to whether or not they enter into um, those agreements. If they have entered into those agreements, so they've said we'll use your deposit, then your rent is due, the deposit covers the rent, your credit profile is not going to be negatively affected. If you've entered into a deferment, then they're going to say, well, the rent would have been um, 8,000, we defer it, so there's nothing due this month, therefore your credit profile is not negatively affected. Um, and that was the intention of that. So if you have entered into those agreements, your credit profile won't be negatively affected. If your landlord or agent won't enter into those agreements with you, then unfortunately, yes, your credit profile will be negatively affected to reflect the fact that you didn't pay the rent when it was due. And that is the unfortunate position that so many renters essentially find themselves in. And we've said on multiple occasions um, right here on the Private Property Podcast that we appeal to particularly landlords that in the event where they can, they really should extend a bit of, um, you know, legroom for their for their tenants. We're all in this together. I mean, the reality is, in as much as certainly as landlords, we're feeling the pressure. In many of our instances, we have the option of going to, you know, to the bank and applying for uh, or getting that uh, bond relief uh, and perhaps not paying for the next three months. Sometimes our tenants often don't have that luxury. So whether you give a discount, whether you enter into a slightly different arrangement so that after the next three months or what, whichever period you essentially set out, they're able to catch up with their rental. And if you can afford it, just give that discount. I think this is one of those very unprecedented times. You know, Michelle and I were saying off air that we actually can't believe we're living through a global pandemic. I mean, I, I don't think many of us will be living through a similar pandemic in this lifetime. So I think we really do need to look at the challenge that we find ourselves in in that context. We've got many more questions coming in, Michelle, going to try and get us through as many of them as possible. This one is coming in from Elizabeth Liddell who asked, as someone who doesn't have a credit record yet because I haven't been employed yet, how do I go about creating a good credit score in preparation for the future? So um, if you're a tenant, that's great. Um, and encourage you to, um, if, if, you, if you are renting properties, um, to ensure that your landlord or estate agent is recording that information with TPN because that forms part of your um, credit record. It's a starting point. Um, ultimately, you need to go and get um, your first, uh, your first uh, credit, uh, credit agreement. And often where people start is at the retail. So um, get a retail store card. Um, uh, um, a cell phone contract. A cell phone contract. Store cards are definitely the 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 the, the starting point. Um, or a cell phone, because even cell phones they're looking for your um, store card account. Um, insurance is another great one, um, and because that's non credit, it's 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 um it's an account that you would need to have uh, regardless. Um, but build yourself up something, um, and then if you intend on uh, getting a home loan your transactional banking still counts, right? So it's not, you're not limited just to, to credit agreement. Your transactional banking um, does, does count. Um, get yourself maybe a credit card next um, and make sure you are making your monthly um, commitments and your monthly uh, repayments. A question coming in from Yanga Ray is, is it, a, is it good to pay all accounts and close them or should you try pay them and keep them on a positive credit amount? No, so you don't want to you don't wanna, you don't want to be in a position where you don't have any credit agreements, right? So, um, and it depends what your what your um, what you like as a as a as a what what your psychology is like, right? So some people just shouldn't have credit agreements. I'm one of those people. I don't have a credit card. Um, I I just don't. 
um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just putting it out there. So some people, um, you need to, you need to have the ability to say, I'm making my monthly uh, commitments, um, I'm making my monthly minimum uh, repayments, but you do need to retain some form of credit um, identity. You don't want to end up paying down everything um, to the detriment of putting yourself back into having a thin file. Um, which is going to prejudice your ability to get credit uh, in the future. Michelle, I know this one is probably not a, a black and white answer, but how many is just enough? I mean, we're, we're, just as we're answering the previous question, you know, you're saying that uh, you know you could get perhaps maybe the first one could be the store account, then maybe a credit card, maybe an insurer. How many should you be having? So suppose you're like Yanga, where you actually now want to close them off because you've also realized you don't really have the best discipline in managing you know, your credit. And oftentimes when you are good at paying, they call you to ask you if you want to you know, get an increase, you want to extend your credit limit, and perhaps you just simply don't have that kind of discipline. In the event where you're now looking at scaling down the number of accounts that you have, suppose you have seven, how many is, I say, a good number to essentially have to still have a good credit score um, and make sure that you don't end up essentially having that thin file as you've made reference to? You know, it's not one size fits all because it's very much dependent on your earnings um, and your affordability. Um, so it's, it's really not um, a one size fits all solution. Rather, you should be thinking about what type of good credit do I have versus uh, bad credit. So what credit do I have and how do I spend it? and um, the purpose for which you are getting the credit. It's not just about having a good credit score, but what was the purpose that I needed the credit and how am I using uh, that credit? So good credit would be things like a home loan. It's an investment, you're paying it off. Um, it's things like paying for your education, um, a loan for your business, um, uh, your kid's education. Those are, those are good credit. Bad credit is using money just to roll money over, using it for lifestyle. Um, that's not good credit. So you, you, you rather want to look at what is the purpose that I have credit um, and how am I using it? What is my uh, I, I want us to get through the last three questions, uh, Michelle. This one is coming in from Zamashkul who asks, do TV licenses debt um, affect your credit score? No, TV licenses and e-tolls um, do not affect your uh, your credit score. The bureaus don't record that. But, uh, when you said e-tolls, I was just saying, <laughs> listen, Michelle, <laughs> I think many of us in Gauteng have uh, with e-tolls. Um, another question that we've got here, let's see, let's get this one from uh, Zamambo Mtanete who asked, Hi, how can, I, how can I know my credit record or how to clear it? Mm. So the first, your starting point is to, my suggestion, your starting point is to go to mytranshunion.co.za. Um, you can do it all online. Um, you answer a couple of questions and they immediately give you your credit profile. Um, and then um, identify information that you feel could be inaccurate and log disputes for that information to get it updated. Um, where you can see that your accounts, you have judgments or defaults, and they are legitimate, then enter into um, negotiation with those credit providers as to how you start uh, repaying those as soon as those are repaired. So both on your defaults as well as on your judgments. 
as soon as those are repaid, they get removed from your uh, credit profile and have a look at how your payment profile is being paid. So make sure you know all the accounts that are on your credit profile, um, identify them, make sure they're all accurate, and then make sure that you are meeting the minimum uh, repayments um, on a monthly basis. Another question from Stephanie Whitboy, who asks, once an account that's in arrears has been paid in full, how long should one wait before applying for a home loan? Mm. You know, uh, it depends on how much in arrears that account uh, got. So if you were zero, 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 you're paying it all on time, you skip one month, you go back to zero, 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 that's going to be different to if that account got nine months um, in, a, in arrears. And unfortunately, that just takes time to work its way out of, um, out of your system. But I, I wouldn't let that deter you, right? I wouldn't let that uh, scare you off. Have a look at the credit profile and then go and approach your bank and say to your bank, is this um, acceptable? Um, can we have a negotiation? Would you pre-approve me? Um, and then, you know, I, I think that's the point. People are so scared to even look at their credit profile. It's us. It's part of us. We need to understand what it says. And we mustn't be ashamed or embarrassed to go and ask for help. Absolutely yeah. not. I mean, I, I mean, I'd shared in one of the previous episodes that for the first time, I actually uh, went and applied for my TransUnion free credit record. Um, I'd never done it. I mean, I bought, I bought multiple properties and every time I work with a bond originator, so they pull that data and I'd see it. So I never actually then went and accessed the free report. But this time I was like, actually, so that I'm also able to authoritatively speak about it. Let me see how easy it is. It was quite an easy process. Um, the report was quite understandable. Um, luckily, there were no issues on the report that I wasn't aware of. Um, so I think now, even having you know done this episode in the event where there were certain items on there that I wasn't particularly familiar with, I would now know essentially where to go. Last question, Michelle, before we let you go, this one coming in from Seriously, when you're applying for a home loan, I, I don't have judgments or defaults, but the credit score is low. Yeah, so the credit score is made up of a whole host of different information and all of it is weighted. So the majority of the score weighting comes from that payment profile. How many accounts you have? What is the total exposure that you have to all your debt? What is your monthly repayment commitment? Affordability counts enormously towards um, um, your ability to get a home loan. Uh, what is your monthly commitment? What type of debt um, is it? and how you're making those repayments um, on a monthly basis. I think there was a question there. Um, I think the question included, does previous inquiries impact your score negatively? Not to, not, to a, uh, um, not to a big degree. It's not heavily weighted. Really what the inquiries are there, because inquiries now only footprint on your credit profile for a period of 12 months. Really what the inquiries are there to do is to um, assess for fraud. So often if someone's identity has been stolen, um, um, the identity uh, a thief will go and try and apply to many different um, store cards and micro, lend, uh, micro lending in a very short space of time. So within a seven day period, they will absolutely go and hammer that, um, those, those applications. And that's really what um, the credit providers are looking for. 
Michelle, before we let you go, any last tips that you'd have for our viewers at home when it comes to clearing their credit score um, and, and, and getting ready essentially for, for applying for that home loan? So I think just to recap, I think it's very important that you get a copy of your credit profile and you have a look at it, um, that you understand it, that you identify information that's inaccurate, that you dispute it, log your disputes with, um, with the Bureau. Don't be shy, ashamed or embarrassed about your credit profile. Don't be shy, ashamed or embarrassed to ask questions if you don't understand information um, on your credit profile. Um, the dispute process is 20 business days and mostly this is a long-term long relationship that you're going to have with your, your own credit profile so um, use every 12 months you're entitled to your free credit report use that um, opportunity um, and go and get your, um, uh, your your credit profile every 12 months as you're entitled to do thank you so much michelle of course to our viewers at home if you want to find out more details perhaps you know read up a little bit about tpn some of the work that they do in accessing some of their service you can always go to www.tpn.co.za and you'll be able to you know check your own credit score maybe a landlord you want to check you know the credit uh, record of the tenant that you want to bring in then you're more than welcome to do so michelle thank you very much and have a great evening we're definitely going to be calling you back this this evening uh, you know we've got quite a lot of questions and i think there's still many questions that so many of us have around our credit score and how to manage it and as you were saying earlier you know we shouldn't be ashamed of where this credit essentially is some people may have a low credit score maybe you you know got into financial troubles in your early 20s or even early 30s it's okay I think we're now at that point where yeah. you've got the credits, you know, you've got your credit record. You now want to start repairing it. Understanding what the right strategies are for you to be able to repair it is so crucial. Figuring out which, which, what, what other accounts are on your profile that probably aren't supposed to be there and making sure that you essentially follow up is so crucial. So really we're in this together. There's no reason why any of us should be ashamed of our financial status. If we made a few mishaps along the way, that's fine. We're now trying to rectify it. And if anything, we're here to help each other out and make sure that some people who haven't made some of those mistakes essentially don't make those mistakes. Thank you very much, Michelle. It's been episode 25 of the Private Property uh, Podcast. I've been your host, Samantunga Kumalo. We're back again on Monday and it's going to be episode 26. We're getting to episode 50. And I think with episode 50, we'll probably do a nice giveaway. We're still thinking up a really great prize for you at home. Uh, and of course, if you've got any suggestions, do send them through right here on our Facebook page. And if you haven't watched all the episodes, do go back right here on Facebook. Or of course, you can go to the YouTube channel for any of your home buying home, um, whether you want to rent out your particular property or even sell your property, of course, go to www.privateproperty.co.za. It's been a great one. I hope you're staying at home and staying safe. We'll be back again on Monday. Thank you. Hi, I'm Brian Kepper. I'm a 10-time South African motorcycling champion. My family and I have chosen to live in four ways. There's some really great suburbs in our neighborhood. There's a lot of families living in the surrounding areas and see the lakes. What draws people to Cedar Lakes is that it's so close to Broadacre Shopping Centre, Cedar Square and Four Ways Life Hospital. Lonehill is a major drawcard for many families. It's got some great smaller commercial centres and some fantastic schools like Crawford College. 
from an entertainment point of view, Monte Cassino really comes alive at night. There's so much on the go, and there's an incredible energy in the area. Our family just loves the fast-paced lifestyle that Fourways brings. But honestly, the thing that attracted us most to this area was the active lifestyle that it offers. As a family, we've chosen to live in Fourways because of the lifestyle and convenience, and this is our neighborhood. I'm Rick Nedling, I'm an Olympic gold medalist and shareholder and marketing director of Aldevi Estate, which recently acquired Pearl Valley Estate. I've been living in the beautiful Paul Frontrick Valley for the last five years. We are situated right in the heart of the Cape Winelands. Security is our number one priority and it's something we work on every day. And this has earned us the reputation of being the safest estate in Africa. The lifestyle that this area has to offer truly is country living at its best. We're just five minutes away from the historic town of Paul. Paul really is an incredible area to explore, with little gems like the Spice Root and Fairview Farms. But the biggest attraction is the excellent schools. Franchuk, on the other hand, is a major international tourist destination and also known as the culinary capital of South Africa, with a diverse offering for every palate and occasion. Our recent acquisition of Pearl Valley is a major game changer for us. Our residents can now enjoy a wide range of amenities unmatched anywhere else in the world. There's the world-famous Jack Nicklaus Signature Golf Course, which is consistently ranked among the top golf courses in South Africa. And there are some beautiful properties on the course. Older V really is the ideal family environment. We also cater to equestrian lovers with facilities on offer for every discipline, from the two Hurlingham standard polo fields to our state-of-the-art equestrian centers and miles of trails. Our horses live in paradise too. Older V has its own wine farm and cellars producing award-winning wines which every resident can be proud of. I've been blessed to travel the world but this is the place I come home to. I'm sure you can see why we call it the Valley of Life. And this is my neighborhood. <laughs>